The sermon text is the Gospel of St. John, chapter 8, verses 31 to 36. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you remain in my word, you are really my disciples. You will also know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are Abraham's descendants, they answered, and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say, you will be set free? Jesus answered, Amen. Amen, I tell you, everyone who keeps committing sin is a slave to sin. But a slave does not remain in the family forever. A son does remain forever. So if the Son sets you free, you really will be free. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Some years ago, I was passing through the Deep South, and I decided to stop and take a tour of this huge antebellum plantation. It's not a part of the country I go to very often, wasn't sure if I'd ever be back, so I figured, why not? And I'm glad I did, because I learned a lot that day from the tour guide. She taught the group a lot about freedom. Specifically, she taught us that not all freedom is real freedom. She said that right after the Civil War ended, the people who had worked as slaves on that plantation were free, but they weren't really free. Most of them had no place to go. They could not vote to improve their situation. Businesses would not hire them. They could not enroll their children in the local school. Most of them could not get hired by any business, so they really had no choice except to stay on the same plantation where they had worked as slaves and keep working for the same family they had worked for before. The only difference was that now they got paid a little money. They had to go into town and buy their own food, and the rest of the money they had to pay back to the family as rent to live in the exact same quarters that they had lived in as slaves. Technically, these people were now free, but the situation hadn't changed. They weren't really free. On a lighter note, I have seen parents use a kind of fake freedom very effectively dealing with their children. See, good parents know that in order to control the kids, sometimes you have to give that child the illusion of freedom. So you'll hear things like this. Okay, Billy, uh, you can have whatever you want for your snack today. Carrots or celery? Well, that's not real freedom. It's a degree of freedom, but no matter what Billy picks, he's still choking down something disgusting. That's a very limited kind of freedom that the kid has. And whenever we talk about freedom and being free, there's almost always some limit to the freedom or some condition that is attached to it. It's freedom with an asterisk up on the end of it. And that is really what makes the freedom Jesus talks about today, the freedom that he offers us, unique. And it makes this freedom attractive, thrilling to the soul. Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you really will be free. Now Jesus speaks these words to his countrymen, who St. John says, had believed, but apparently not anymore. They are now apparently delusional about freedom, and when Jesus extends to them graciously this true freedom, they interrupt him. We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say, you will be set free? We don't need freedom. We're already free. And Jesus says, that's not true. 
Everyone who keeps committing sin is a slave to sin. Everyone needs the freedom that Jesus offers today for the simple fact that everybody is sinful. We are conceived in it, we're born with it, and even now, as Christians, we still struggle against sin, and we know that sometimes we still fail in our battles against it. And Jesus says, if you sin, you're a slave to sin. It's that simple. There's nothing you can do to break yourself free. And being a slave to sin means you do not have a permanent place in God's house. Jesus says, a slave does not remain in the family forever. The slavery to sin means you can't live as one of God's children. You can't expect him to view you with the favor of a loving father, and you certainly can't expect to dwell in his eternal home of heaven. See, this slavery to sin, this is serious business. This has eternal consequences. But there is one member in God's family, one son, who kept himself totally free from sin, completely free. He was not conceived in it the way you and I were. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And after he was born, he remained completely free from sin. He never touched it one time in anything that he said or thought or did. And then he took that life, totally free from sin, to the cross and sacrificed it. Took the punishment for sin that we slaves deserve to take. And with that life, totally free from sin and that holy sacrifice on the cross, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, sets us free. And not just free, totally free, real freedom. If the Son sets you free, you really will be free. This is that rarest kind of freedom, freedom that has no limits, no conditions, real freedom. Freedom in Christ is freedom from sin. Of course, we are still sinful people, and we struggle against sin every day. But because of what Jesus has done for us, when God the Father looks at us, he no longer sees any trace of our sin at all. Just that perfect life of his Son that Jesus lived, completely free from sin. That's what God the Father sees on our record. Freedom in Christ is freedom from sin, and not just that, it is freedom from all of the ugly and disgusting things that sin brings along with it. It is freedom from the fear of hell. You and I do not have to live our lives in this world wondering if possibly, maybe, or even probably we're going to end up in the wrong place after we die. We're free from that because Jesus took the curse of hell on himself for us on the cross. Instead of living in fear of hell now, we get to look forward to life in heaven. A slave does not remain in the family forever. A son does remain forever. See, when Jesus frees you, he places you in God's family as not just a child, but a son. Specifically a son, because sons can expect an inheritance from their father. Because we are sons in the father's home, we can look forward to an eternal place in his home and an inheritance that never ends. Freedom in Christ is freedom from the fear of hell and freedom to look forward to the glory of heaven. It is also freedom from Satan himself. Now, Satan can tempt us, and Scripture reminds us to take him seriously and be careful of him, but Satan can't force us to do anything. He can't overpower us. We are in the Son of God who conquered Satan and crushed his head. We have power over him. 
And God is not going to listen to a single accusation that Satan makes against you and me because we are God's forgiven, beloved children. Christ sets you free. You are free from Satan, both his power and his accusations. And there's even more freedom. There is also freedom from the fear of death. We don't have to live our lives afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of it any more than we're afraid of going to sleep at night because we know we are going to wake up from it. The resurrection on the last day. Our Savior Jesus conquered death for us on Easter, so we are free. We are also free in Christ from the guilt of things that we have done in our lives. Uh, A Christian does not have to drag around the mistakes of his past and beat himself up over those mistakes because Jesus dragged our mistakes to the cross and he took the beating that they deserved. They are gone. God is not going to use them against you, so don't use them against yourself. Learn your lesson and move on. Christ sets us free from the guilt of things that we have done in the past. And there's even more freedom. In Christ, we are free to serve each other, to serve God, and to serve all people. We don't serve because we have to with some divine whip cracking over our heads. That's how slaves work. We serve willingly because Jesus served us first and he set us free. There are no guilt trips. There is no compulsion in Christian service. We serve joyfully and willingly. In fact, scripture says that the joy of being free in Christ so overwhelms our souls that we voluntarily make ourselves slaves again, but this time not slaves to sin, slaves to righteousness, willing service to God and to all people. Do you see the level of freedom that God gives us in the work of Jesus Christ? Where are the limits? Where are the conditions? Where's the asterisk on this freedom? There are none. Freedom in Christ is real freedom, full freedom in every way. Now you probably should be warned right about now that this sermon is super long. I, I figure at least once a year you ought to get a real sermon and not these little devotionals that you people usually get away with around here. And if there's ever a Sunday to get a real sermon, it's Reformation Sunday. So if you're not comfortable yet, settle in because we're a long way from home. That reminds me, though, this is Reformation Sunday, and here I am, 12 minutes into the sermon, and not a single word about the Reformation or Martin Luther. And if you don't do it on Reformation, they can pull your license to practice Lutheranism, so I'm sorry, but here it goes. Uh, There are a lot of different ways to look at Martin Luther and the Reformation. Some of them are fair, most of them are not. One way that's not fair is to view Luther and the Reformation as a matter of nationalism. See, the idea is this stubborn German man, he saw these slick Italians coming up into his country, taking people's money, and then going back down into their boot to build some cathedral with German money, and he got really mad, and he said, no, get out of my country. And so Luther has been exalted by nationalists and fascists in Germany, including some very bad men about 80 years ago, but that's not right, that's not fair. Because for one thing, Luther was in the ground for like 300 years before Germany even became a nation. How can you be a nationalist when you don't live in a nation? It was just a region at the time. And secondly, if 
Luther wrote a lot of things. If you ever care to actually read it, you'll see that, if anything, he had contempt for the region that he lived in and the people he lived with. Luther was not, this was not about nationalism for Germany. Other people look at the Reformation and see it as just a, a natural result of the Renaissance. See, this was a time in history when people became interested in learning again and looking at things in a new way. And here was a monk who just wanted to read the Bible in a new way, look at it in a way that people hadn't before. And of course, that brought him into conflict with a very traditional old institution of his church. That's just not paying very close attention to the facts of history. And then, and this one's really been gaining steam over the last 50 years, people look at the Reformation and see one big misunderstanding. They say, ah, come on. Luther and his church, they were really, basically, they were teaching the same thing. They just used different vocabulary. And you know what happens. People talk past each other. They misunderstand each other. And then everybody gets real angry and upset. Looking back on it now, years later, we can see there really wasn't much difference. Maybe no difference between what they were teaching anyway. Um, that's not paying very close attention to first-hand documents and sources from the time. So there's all kinds of unfair ways to look at the Reformation. If you want a fair way to look at it, you can see it like this. The Reformation was a freedom fight. Martin Luther was tormented and devastated by his slavery to sin. And at his monastery, they told him, Brother Martin, do what is in you. Do your best. So that's what he did. He tried his hardest. And the harder he tried, the more he learned the truth of Jesus' words. If you sin, you are a slave to sin. And he was crushed with fear over dying, fear of hell. He lived in constant guilt of things that he had done past in, in the past in his life. And he was serving at his monastery, but there was no joy to it. It was all compulsion and guilt. And then, that very imperfect man started to see on the pages of Scripture the perfect truth that in Christ, we are free. And not just free, really free in every way. And he, he didn't put it together all at once, but as he became a professor, and he started to teach Paul's letters to the Romans and the Galatians, and he started to teach the Psalms, he started to see freedom, real freedom in Christ in every way. And at the same time he saw that on the pages of Scripture, he saw teachings and actions in his church that put limits, conditions on the freedom of Christ. He saw this complicated system that involved a whole lot more than just looking to Jesus and trusting in him. He saw people being told that they had to make satisfaction for their sins. And they could do it by making pilgrimages or saying repetitious prayers, or surprise, surprise, giving money to the church, or fighting in a crusade. But if you didn't make enough satisfaction here in this world, then you had to sweat off the rest in purgatory before you could finally get into heaven. That's not freedom. That's a sort of freedom with all kinds of asterisks and limits and conditions. And in that system, there's, there's all kinds of fear and guilt and compulsory service. So when Luther saw that, he started fighting. He started fighting for just the kind of freedom that Jesus promises his people. Real freedom. 
From the time he posted the 95 Theses till his heart burst 30 years later, he fought. He fought in writings. He fought in hymns. He fought from the pulpit in classrooms by training future faithful pastors. He fought in debates. The whole Ref Lutheran Reformation from start to finish was a fight for true Christian freedom, just the kind that Jesus promises. And as he was engaged in that fight, he also took to heart words Jesus says at the beginning of this conversation. If you remain in my word, you are really my disciples. You will also know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, you look at that first glance, that seems to contradict what Jesus says later. Here he says, the word, the truth will set you free. Later, he says, it's the son who will set you free. But it's not a contradiction at all, because Jesus' truth, the word of God, that's where we see everything Jesus has done. The life that he kept perfectly free from sin, his death on the cross. That's where we see all Jesus does to set us free and make us really free. And not only that, the word of God, that's what the Spirit uses to give us faith in Jesus, to make us really his disciples. So the truth of the word sets us free. And that truth became one of the hallmarks of the Lutheran Reformation. If you want to hold on to true freedom in Christ, you have to hold on to the truth of his word. No more and no less. So now here we are, 504 years later. That's a really long time. And after over five centuries, it would be easy, maybe even natural, to think of the Lutheran Reformation as just a historical event. Something that happened a long time ago across the Atlantic Ocean that has little or nothing to do with us here and now. But the thing is, there are still all kinds of forces fighting against real freedom in Christ. And one of them is us. There is always this feeling inside of us that it's too good to be true. That real, total, complete freedom, and come on, that can't be right. There's got to be something that I have to throw into the mix. There must be some, some kind of evil that I still have to free myself from. See, our, our own natural instincts want to fight against this truth. And then from outside of us too, there are still voices saying, there is no real freedom in Christ. And you know the really sad thing is, most of them come from inside of Jesus' churches. A lot of teachers and churches that even call themselves Lutheran are doing this now. No, it's not enough. Jesus isn't enough for real freedom. So the spirit of the Lutheran Reformation has to be alive in us today. The Lutheran Reformation started 504 years ago. It has to continue until Christ comes back against every voice inside of us and outside of us that wants to put any kind of limit on Jesus' freedom, we fight with the words of Christ himself. If the Son sets you free, you really will be free. Rejoice today that you are really free in Christ from sin and all of the awful garbage that comes along with it and rejoice that in Christ you are free to serve in this life and you are free for life in heaven. Rejoice that you are really free and keep fighting for it. Amen.